Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea, your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I'm your host, Emmy Morgan, and I apologize for any technical difficulties you've um, endured for the past couple episodes. I was trying to use my mic um, on my laptop, and apparently it's not that great. So, um, yeah, I'm back to calling on my phone. I have this beautiful mic that I I can't use unless, I don't know, whatever, unless I get a new laptop, but that's, um, that's another story. Hello, Josie. Well, good day. How are you, Anne? (laughs) I am fabulous. How are, how are you, Joe? You know what? There's this, thing that people do now that the pandemic has set in instead of asking someone how are you they actually ask how are you doing today so joe Hmm. how are you doing today well today much like every day i'm doing fantastic awesome and just to let everyone know it's okay to not be awesome and it's okay to unload i think sometimes we don't want to be honest with our friends and family because then the, what happens? You unload and you say all this stuff and then they're like, okay, you know what? Do it. Unload. Like, I got to say, you one, have of to that, one of the things that, one of the things that, you know, that uh, Demi Lovato taught me was it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's so in the know guys. Like you have no idea. Anyway, we have a ton to talk about, like, so much. Like, I I literally kept <laughs> adding to the list Almost of things much. to talk about with him. <laughs> but I think we'll get through it. I think we're – and if we don't get through it, you know what? We'll save it for another show. That's totally fine. There um, so the episode is called Yeah, But, and that mm. is because – we're going to start off with the topic that Joe brought up, which is um, false equivalencies. Um, mm. So important to talk about. You know what? Because it was your topic, I'm going to let you start off. Go right ahead. Like, why right. did you want to bring this up? So, you know, we're um... – as a as a general group, and most people around the world are dealing with the coronavirus in their own kind of you know awkward and uncomfortable way. Um, a lot of people have taken to social media, and have had a lot more time to spend on social media, where they get to debate whatever it is that they want to talk about, and bring up whatever topics they want to talk about. However, and I would say that this is you know having primarily gone through the exciting election season that we went through and you know now we're heading into uh the uh the biden administration full swing you know first hundred days Mm -hmm. etc etc um 
it's it's something that typically comes up when talking about politics, but I've also seen it brought up in, in terms of cancel culture, which I know we spent a lot of time on last week. Mm-hmm. Um, and in in having these discussions and trying to have fruitful discussions with people about, you know, what's going on in our world and um, trying to problem solve and have hopefully meaningful conversations about things, um, people are so quick to make these false equivalencies in every single situation that mm-hmm. it really doesn't belong. And what I mean by that is you could be talking about, you know, Dr. Seuss or Mr. Potato Head becoming the Potato Head family or whatever it is that you're talking about. And almost invariably, there's going to be a conversation where someone says, yeah, but. Mm-hmm. Or what about it? Mm-hmm. So instead of addressing the topic, instead of having a conversation about something that is on its own, something that has some, you know, clearly has some merit because people want to talk about it, you know, people are quick to jump on to how it compares to another situation. And usually mm-hmm. those comparisons are unfair to say the least, um, but also vastly inaccurate because they're talking about mm-hmm. two things that are not the same. They're not related. Mm-hmm. They have some similarities in terms of, you know, what the context of the conversation is, but they're treated completely differently in the context of when they're happening. And people try to utilize that space and that time to say that they are the same. And mm-hmm. most of the time it's used to diffuse whatever argument you have or whatever point someone has to say, yeah, but, or what about this instead of actually addressing what the question is or the concern. That literally just happened on Instagram to a degree. So what I mean by that is this. I followed this guy. His name is Ant Anstead, Anthony Anstead. He's a British um, HGTV guy. So hot. Oh, my God. Anyway, I follow him, and in the U.K. right now, it's Mother's Day. So Mm -hmm. he said, to the two incredible moms, He said, happy UK Mother's Day to the two incredible moms, which is his British wife, his British ex-wife, sorry, of his first two kids, and his British Mm -hmm. mom. In the comments, someone, what about Christina? She's the the mother of one of your kids. And he says, yes, but she's in America. I'm celebrating the UK's Mother's Day. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. When Mother's Day comes for the the U.S., I'll celebrate her. Why would you even comment that? Like, are you trying to be messy? Like, I, I don't. But but he's got this beautiful. You should you should read. It's this beautiful, like, co-parenting plus saying something to his mom. It's just so beautiful. And then for you to see that one comment. You're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then she goes deeper into the argument when everybody points out it's a UK holiday they're celebrating. That's like saying, oh, um, happy Thanksgiving, Canada. And then someone coming out and saying, well, what, what about the Thanksgiving in the U.S.? Well, there is no Thanksgiving in the U.S. at the same exact time as the Canadian one. So why would we say yeah. happy Thanksgiving to the U.S.? So she gets deeper in the comments and she says, well, I just feel like 
she's a mom too, and she should be celebrated. Cool story. Okay, Karen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> okay, Karen. Um, I'm not sure if that falls under the false equivalency, but that's exactly what I thought of when I when you were saying this um, just now. I just it literally just happened like two seconds ago. Um, I think it does. I think it falls under the, the a similar category. Well, but, that's but what I'm why? saying. Like people want their space. They want their airspace, their airtime. You and know that's what it, it is? That's all they want. You know what it is? I think I know what it is. Did you notice that celebrities post up, talk to, respond, always to the negative? You never let – me, let me take that back. You rarely see celebrities post up – respond to positivity. There are a few that do, but it's mostly the negative. I'm wondering if this woman did that to get a response from him because he did respond. Mm. And so I'm wondering if she did that on purpose. I wouldn't be surprised. That's sad. I, when I become a celebrity, will never respond to negativity. In fact, I'll tell you a little secret. On my IG, and I think I've said this before. I've said it to someone. Um, the only people that can comment on my page are people that follow me or that I follow. And I've also had it set so that certain buzzwords that I feel are negative, like tranny, freak, the N-word, don't show up on my feed at all. So I, I'm trying to do it with Twitter. I'm trying to do it with Facebook. I can definitely do it with IG. But, yeah, I don't want to see negativity. That's not why I go to social media, and I don't want to be a part of it either. I actually commented to her, you're messy. And then I deleted it because I said, you know what? I don't want, I don't, I don't want to be associated with this woman, even to tell her off. I don't want that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand well, people. It's become it's become like uh, the the way that people operate in in most situations where you know they the rhetorical element of having a debate or having a conversation is you know it's always about shifting it to something else or shifting it away from the fact that there really is is oftentimes not a valid point or a valid concern. It's just trying to diffuse somebody else's argument or someone else's point by trying to turn the conversation to someone, something else. So you can, like you, know, I, mm-hmm. you can bring up, uh, you can bring up something about, you know, the UK mother's day and America's mm-hmm. mother's day. And it mm-hmm. diffuses what the original intent of the post was, which was to celebrate two people in the country that's celebrating mother's day at the time. Mm-hmm. And make it about you. You're making it about you and about your perception of what someone else should be doing. So two things. One, like I said last week, this is that thing where you get in trouble when you were a kid and your mom's like, hey, Joe, uh, didn't you steal my car? And you say, yeah, but James, no, 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 no. We're not focusing on your brother. We're focusing on you. Stop. Let's get down to brass tacks. You fucked up. We need to deal with it. 
I don't care what your brother did. I'll, I'll deal with that later. But I'm talking to you. Why does that well, get lost the second we become adults? Why do we forget that, that lesson that was ingrained to us? Because it's because not going to... It's, it's been, it's been the way that we've dealt with... It's been the way that we've dealt with a lot of conversations for probably like the better part of the last 20 years where... It yeah. has not been about talking about your achievements or about what you've done or whatever the case is. It's always about comparing, you know, it's, it's keeping up with the Joneses to the, you know, to the nth degree, you know, it happened when, and, and, you know, I, perhaps it's, it's become more prevalent because of the internet and social media. But mm-hmm. when you think about how the Obama years were compared to the Bush years and talking mm-hmm. about uh, always talking about, Nothing he could do or nothing that he achieved was good enough. And then similar, mm-hmm. similarly, everything during the Trump years was compared to the Obama years and, you know, touted mm-hmm. for some of those things. And it was, it was always touting things that he had accomplished, which mm-hmm. weren't really accomplishments and to, to, to a, a large degree. And then always trying to negate and, and clearly like the entire, the entirety of his presidency was an attempt to wipe out the Obama years, but you look at yep. the, the the opportunity to then tout some of these things, and that's what you, you've got people that will say, oh, well, this $1.9 trillion tax cut was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then it turns into the whataboutism now where you've got a $1.9 trillion stimulus package. And so instead mm-hmm. of people saying, was the tax cut a good thing, Mm-hmm. And now having a conversation, is the stimulus a good thing? It's a comparison between the two. Mm-hmm. And they're two completely separate and, and, and isolated situations dealing with right. two completely different scenarios. Cool, the price tag's the same. And, you know, down the road, I'm sure someone will write their dissertation about how, you know, one is, was, was effective, one wasn't, one was better, one wasn't. That's okay when you're talking about trying to do a comparison in terms of dissertation, but when you're having a dialogue about the merits of something that's ongoing or you're having a dialogue mm-hmm. about, you know, is this something that's actually valuable right now? Bringing up something from four years ago in comparison, <laughs> is, it, it, again, it's diffusing the argument. It's, the, it's not talking yeah. about the merit of what we're actually talking about right now in the moment. Correct. And I know I that 100% just agree. from my perspective, we, it, it happens on both sides, and that's the frustrating yes. part. Yes. My other point is the biggest of false equivalency happened during June 20th, or sorry, during June <laughs> 2020. We're sitting here dealing with Black Lives Matter and you got these Karens and these Kens talking about all lives matter. We're not talking, of course, all lives matter. Of course they do. But in that time frame, in that space, we want to focus on one thing. That's like going to a cancer rally, a breast cancer walk, and saying all cancers matter. The fuck, of course they do. Of course they do. But right now we're walking for breast cancer. Argument is sufficient enough that you're not going to get, first of all, well, let me back up. We need to stop allowing these people spaces. We need to shut them down immediately 
because they're taking away from a very important conversation. Don't take they away time are. from the breast cancer walk to talk about all cancers matter. And guess what? No one would ever do that, ever. No one would ever think or, or try to do that. Nobody would. I've never seen it done in my life. But it's funny how when something comes to race, everybody has suddenly a voice. People that didn't even speak have a voice. It's just funny how that happens. But you know what I call that? I, I call that the, the, quote, conservative Christian train. Honey, they are never late. That train should, whoever runs that, that train system should run the T system in Boston because that train is never late, hunting. Never. Um, you mentioned the um, COVID bill, so we can just briefly go over that because I know that there's a ton of things to go over. Um, do you feel that this is a, a good thing, a bad thing, indifferent? How do you feel about this bill and, and what it's going to do for the American people? Um, I think like any any bill, anything that's that's offered as uh, you know an opportunity to try to remedy a situation by throwing money at the problem, I think there are good and bad things that we take from it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, do I do I think that there's some merit in the argument that this is just a way of of keeping people from taking responsibility or from you know from going back to work or whatever. You know, no, I think that that's an absurd mm-hmm. claim, and the economy has been drastically changed because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. If you can't accept right. that or understand that, dude, you got some problems. Um, but at the end of the day, I think you know what what is what is it designed to do? It's designed to help make sure that you know that we can get up and running again. That there is money in people's pockets where they need it most. They did this this um, interview in this. Uh, podunk town in West Virginia and they were, you know, they were uh, interviewing people about getting this $1,400. And, you know, to all the people that want to decry what's happening as some type of negative situation, I think it's because they're not being, they're not being genuine about what's actually happening and putting Mm -hmm. cash in people's pockets, putting cash in people's hands is always something that's a boost to the economy. It's always something that will help, uh, in the moment. Now, is it kicking the can down the road? Kind of. Um, yeah. Because what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with a bunch of people that when they get their tax returns, they're going to be pissed that they didn't get that 1400 at that time. Mm-hmm. You're going to wind up with a situation where budgetarily we have to figure out how we're going to pay for $1.9 trillion mm-hmm. worth of, you know, of, of bailout for the economy. Now, we figured it out. Like I said, I don't want to make it about whataboutism, but we figured it out when we had to bail out you know, uh, the, the, the auto industry, we figured out when we came up with a $1.9 trillion tax cut for, you know, for mostly that went towards mostly the, the, the corporations and, you know, the, the top 1%, we figured out how to do it and we're going to have to figure it out again. And the most, Mm -hmm. to me, the most common thing, theme that you'll see along these lines is that, most of the time, it's going to require an increase in taxes in order to do mm-hmm. these things. Um, right. Somewhere down the road, somewhere down the road, someone's going to have to pay more because you, you're not going to – I always love that comment. You're not going to get blood from a stone. 
there there has to be a way, and it's not just printing more money. There has to be a way mm-hmm. eventually that you balance your checkbook. And I hate to oversimplify it and say that that's where we're at, but we're going to have to balance the checkbook. Our deficit blew up over the last four years. The the, mm-hmm. the, the amount of debt we owe had blew up over the last four years after having you know taken seven eight years to get it back down to a reasonable level, and you know here we are again writing checks, taking out credit right. cards to try to, pay, to try to pay some bills. I think in the, in the immediate time frame, I think it's good for Americans. Um, mm-hmm. But then again, you know, you gotta, you gotta look at what, what are the long-term implications? Is somebody going to be able to fix it? Are we going to, are we going to deal with when, when the bill comes due? Are we going to deal with that in an effective way? I don't know. I hope so. My thought on this is I agree with everything you said. All I want to do is add. Billionaires and millionaires are getting these massive tax cuts. Then I'm sure they have enough money to help with this. Sorry, but <laughs> I, I just I, I feel like someone who has 170 or so billion dollars, you may have worked for it, but you took from us to get it. We had to buy your products. We had to buy your services. So I, I'm sorry. We need your help right now. You need to step up, and you need to give some of that back. Period. Point blank. End of story. And all these other billionaires and millionaires in, in this country need to step up. They, don't need, they shouldn't have to be coked. They should be doing it willfully. Oprah, I'm talking to you, girl. I know your, yeah, your but stock this, just increased. Um, yeah, they need to step up. Sorry. They need to step up. This, when this I become a billionaire, I will up step the up. Age old, that's what I'm saying. This brings up the age-old question of, what you know, when is income, you know, when do you have too much for yourself? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we used to have, the crazy thing is, when you talk about, like, during Eisenhower's presidency, which is probably the last time that we really saw these, extremely high personal um, the, you know, the tax rate being at, at, the, at the highest it possibly could be for individual taxpayers. At a certain point when your income hit a certain level, like you were taxed at like a 90% tax rate. And that was in the mm-hmm. 50s. And we're not talking that long ago. But eventually over the course of time, you start to see how that tax rate has gone down. Now, down. during yep. that period of time, you're funding – you're funding some of the, the, the most expansive and impressive mm-hmm. uh, stuff that was happening in the United States. We had the interstate mm-hmm. highway system was, was becoming a reality under Eisenhower. We had the beginnings of the space program, which, you know, basically, you know, was, uh, was a spinoff of all the World War II's technology. So you have all of these things that are happening as an attempt mm-hmm. to, like, fight off the Cold War. And, it's very impressive the amount that we were able to do and the amount that we were able to accomplish in those years. Mm-hmm. But you can't do it without money. <laughs> we need help. Yeah. It is so crazy and, that you had a, we had a billionaire in the White House and he didn't even help. Like, he, he actually made things worse. Like you would think if he's a billionaire that he would lead by example. But he didn't. He yeah, made he made the whole country great. poorer, and he still kept his net worth. Uh, it's great. What? It's great that 
you donate your salary. Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, it, that, that's so a hundred, that's, that's hundred a great gesture. thousand. Yeah, great gesture. No, four hundred thousand. Listen, four hundred thousand oh, wow, over wow. the course of you to know a millionaire. A, I'm to uh, a billionaire. Congratulations. That's but, mm-hmm. that's a, but that's what I'm saying. Like that's a great thing, but you can't do that. And 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 tout that as your 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 kind and charitable charitable uh, yeah. action towards mm-hmm. the United States, and then mm-hmm. at the same time you're billing the Secret Service hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of mm-hmm. dollars to have Secret Service agents stay at your properties. If you're that mm-hmm. kind and charitable, then let the Secret Service stay at your properties for free while you're golfing. Mm-hmm. That's why they're there. You know, if you're that charitable, then divest from your companies while you're the president right. so that there's no right. question that you're not taking advantage of it. But that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, we're at a point where we've become so cynical and we've mm-hmm. got people that assume these positions of power and have more than enough money that they, 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 they certainly don't need to amass more, but if they want to, that's, you know, that's on them. You know, if there's if right. there's no limit to what people can 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 earn under capitalism, that's great. But at the end of the day, the tax rate should be it it should be a, a you know commensurate to those types of uh, those types of efforts. So you want to keep more money? We're gonna try. We're gonna you know we're gonna try to pay for some stuff with it. And what's funny is the last COVID bill gave money to foreigners, gave money to foreign countries. So let me get this straight. In our emergency COVID relief bill to the United States, we're giving away money to other countries? And I understand other countries need it, but this is an emergency bill. I, I by no means feel that I am better than anybody. I by no means feel that I am more deserving than anybody, but we are in a crisis. This bill is a crisis mode bill. We need to keep all those money in-house. And you cannot say so, we're going to give money to foreign countries, but then you as a billionaire aren't giving any money to anybody because this is my money. I stockpile it. You know, like you can't, you so, can't do this. I don't know. I'm confused. Whatever. This, this is, this is the, but this is the problem with, with how, how these processes have been impacted by the fact that mm-hmm. you've got, both sides of the of the of the aisle are unwilling to have a, a realistic conversation to work through these budgetary constraints. There's a reason why this stimulus bill did not have a single Republican vote. There's a reason why. Right. And it's the same right. thing that happened when they try to go through the you know the appropriations process. The appropriations process where they're discussing this the the COVID relief bill while at the same time discussing budgetary measures that were are part and parcel with what they normally do, now mm-hmm. it clouds it. So it looks like we're having a discussion about something that is interrelated when they're not. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, that's been the, the, the great misnomer of what's been happening with this budgetary process is that people are talking about money going to Pakistan or to these other countries. That's part mm-hmm. of a budgetary process that has nothing to do with the COVID relief bill. The no. only reason why they're lumped in t- together is because they're being debated at the same time because, in a, it, you know, it, and not to go too far into the weeds about the budgetary process, but they have to discuss these things under, uh, you know, under certain session rules. So, mm-hmm. yes, yes, there, are, there is money that's going elsewhere outside of the, the country. 
that's always going to be the case. If we have interests elsewhere oh, yeah. in the world, well, it, we do. We have to. If we want to have military yeah. bases in another country, if we want to have, you know, if we want to have favorable trade status with another country, if we want to have our goods imported and exported without having massive tariffs on those things, then we have to grease the wheels. And by doing that, and by fostering mm. democracy around the world and fostering, you know, the, a capitalist ideal around the world, we're doing that for our own self-interest. But it's not so part how, of the relief bill itself. So then how can we say $15 minimum wage increase is not part of the relief? That is, like, necessary right now. So how, how, can, how can a Republican sit there and say helping the American people who are on minimum wage right now, increasing their minimum wage to $15 isn't an emergency effort. How, how in the world can you say that? So that's understand. part of, again, that's, that's part of the appropriations process that they're going through right now. Mm. Like the Senate only has certain, um, certain capabilities in this process. And Mm -hmm. because they're doing it through the budget, as opposed to introducing laws, they're not introducing a new Mm -hmm. bill that is going to um, enable them to, you know, to rewrite the law on minimum wage. What they're doing is going through a budgetary process and the budgetary Mm -hmm. process has limitations. So the legal counsel that has to advise them on how this process works, they, they, and, and, and again, this is Biden's administration. They're the ones who are looking at this and saying, you know, listen, right now, as much as you guys would like to adjust the minimum wage, include it under this process because of the rules surrounding what can and cannot be done during the budget. And so while the $15 minimum wage is a reasonable and rational conversation that needs to be had, unfortunately, because they cannot come up with a bill, like a, a, an all-encompassing bill, to manage certain parts of this process, it has to be done through the budget and through the budgetary process. You're limited on what you can, what you can and cannot do. Okay. So, um, so then the next, introduce it later. Okay. I appreciate you. And, and this is not in my Sharon Osborne voice, but I appreciate you educating me. on this. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate Let's get, let's get talking about that. Well, that we have to back up first. The reason why anyone is even talking about Sharon Osbourne right now is because of Harry and Meghan's interview. Let's start there. In the interview, my biggest takeaways, I mean, of course, there were a lot of things said. My two biggest takeaways were, one, the royal family had stories. There was a story that Meghan Markle made Kate Winslet, or Kate Winslet, what am I talking about? Princess Kate cry because of a bridesmaid dress situation. That is false. It was the other way around. And not only did Kate make Megan cry, but Megan forgave her and, and talked highly favorably about her throughout the whole interview. But the, the, the queen and the, the house and the institution the palace, they knew the story was out there and they didn't tell anybody the truth. But my biggest takeaway was that she was so miserable and stressed out by not just her, her, her married family, 
And again, yes, she knew that she was marrying a prince, but she didn't expect the racism that they were, that she was experiencing. And I'm sure that there was more undercutting things that they didn't talk about because they said racism. Um, but she, she was so stressed out about that family and then her dad and her, her half-sibling constantly talking about her in the press. And then the press, people like Piers Morgan saying that she's um, a gold digger, social climber, and people like Sharon Osbourne saying she's not black enough and no one considers her black and she's only black now to make it look like she's more diverse. But, you know, we've seen her, her um, applications and she checked white. She was so stressed out during her first pregnancy with her newlywed husband, she had suicidal thoughts. And not just suicidal thoughts. She said it was a real thing. She knew how she was going to kill herself. She was doing this while she was pregnant. And she went to Harry and said, I'm having these thoughts. I need help. Harry had no idea how to deal with it. So she went to the institution and she said, I'm having these thoughts. I need to be checked in. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, love. We can't do that for the house. That is my biggest takeaway. This woman had suicidal thoughts. And nobody helped her. Nobody around her helped her. Everybody kept going at her harder and harder and harder. No one wanted to make it easier for her. And then, of course, the headline comparisons where Kate's eating an avocado on toast and it's nutrients for the baby and Megan's eating avocado on toast and she's taking away from some people. What? Yeah. So that was my biggest takeaways. What were your two biggest takeaways when you were watching it? Um, so I, I think, you know, one of the, one of, one of the biggest things that I, I felt while watching it was just that the genuine hurt and, um, mm-hmm. and I don't want to say it was shock because I think it was just, it was more this, the, the deep pain of being in a situation where, you know, you feel like you don't have any control in general because the, the, mm-hmm. the royal family and, you know, the, the way that, that, that the, the, uh, the British operate in terms of the royal family is very different than anything that we experience here in the United States. They're very tight-lipped. Everything is very closed off. Um, they're very, very guarded about how things are portrayed. And um, you could just tell that, that – both, you know, and we're talking about both Megan and um, and mm-hmm. Harry. You could tell that there was just some genuine pain and discomfort that they had experienced. Now, mm-hmm. again, I, I, I'm always willing to err on the side of caution and saying we don't know what we don't know. We only know what we're being told, and we only know what we're hearing. Um, so, I, I think you know I have to take some things with a grain of salt in terms of what their experience was and what the sides of every story is. Because we don't, you know, we're not hearing both accounts. We're not hearing all the accounts. All we get from the from the royal family is, we're sorry that that she had these feelings. We're sorry that right. you know that this happened. That you know that they, they're they're not going to come out and say they're not going to admit wrongdoing, and they're not going to you know they're not going to come out with something to refute what Megan is saying or what what they've experienced. All they're going to do mm-hmm. is going to give this cursory public, you know, you know feeling of pseudo support toward them, which it leaves us with more questions than answers. 
Mm-hmm. And so, so it's hard for me to, to digest that part of it and say, okay, I, now I know what happened. I know what Megan and Harry experienced based on what they're telling. And mm-hmm. based on what they're telling us, you could see that there was certainly some, some pain and, and suffering that they've mm-hmm. experienced as a result of this. Um, so I think, you know, in that regard, I, I feel for them. I, I think it's an unenviable position to be in. Mm-hmm. But the other takeaway that I have from the entire situation is that, you know, as Americans, we, you know, we do have uh, our own perceptions and our own problems with race. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Megan to experience, you know, these similar types of problems, um, it's just, it, it, it's ironic to see the American public so outraged by something that we don't even confront well. We don't deal mm-hmm. with well. So to me, that's, that's the ironic part about it. And then you've got, you know, Piers Morgan on a, a mm-hmm. British show. Um, you've got Sharon Osbourne, then, you know, it overlaps onto American television. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're, we're discussing the lives of the British royalty and, and, you know, we're, you know, we're, 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 we're expressing our shock and outrage at what's happening. We, why, you know, we've got so many problems that we need to deal with here in terms of mm-hmm. race. Um, th- these things shouldn't come as a shock. Because I think the, the reason the, the world why is, yeah the, the world is shitty by the way yeah yeah <laughs> but I think the reason why people are shocked is because and let's just keep it real let's just keep it one hundred we think we go and we watch Disney movies and the princess and the only thing that we've ever seen from Disney movies is a commoner marrying a prince. And and it's been beautiful, or or a princess marrying a commoner. That is the only um, disparity we see. We're fed. We never, in a million years, thought that this monarchy was racist. They never. It was never publicly dealt with. When it finally is dealt with, we're shocked because we didn't even think that that was an issue. We never thought that, well, racism was an issue in the monarchy. And I think that that's the thing, why you, people are so shocked. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. When you play... Wait, what's you know, that? You're breaking up. I, I can't hear you. Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yep. You still there? Can you repeat what you All said? Right. Yep. Can you repeat what you said? I was... Yeah, I was just saying that um, in terms of the historical context of what's happening, mm-hmm. Great mm-hmm. Britain was ahead of ahead of the United States by leaps and bounds in terms of abolishing slavery, outlawing slavery. So, mm-hmm. you know, here we are, here we are talking about, you know, a country that should be far more advanced in, it, in, mm-hmm. in terms of their race relations, and they're not. You you watch a mm. you know and obviously I'm I'm assuming you're not a huge fan of the English Premier League and soccer. Um, nope. But there's this there's this huge um, push in in English in the Premier League to try to stamp out the racism that happens where fans are screaming racial epithets at players, very mm. talented players, some of the best players in the world 
and they're sh- shouting racial epithets at these players. The, the uh. entire Premier League was kneeling before games, and there's a there's a a, a, a black uh, player that now is standing, and and the reason why is because he feels in his mind that now it has become just this ritual act that now doesn't have the same meaning because there's still, mm-hmm. there's still problems that need to be addressed. And while he appreciates what the Premier League has done in terms of supporting its black athletes and black mm-hmm. people in general, when it starts to turn into just a symbolic act as opposed to an actual meaningful attempt to try to engage dialogue and create, you know, create wholesale change, then it's time to move on to a different form of action. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that, I think that's, you know, where we're at is that we observe these things as Americans and we're shocked at that. The, another country is dealing with something like this. At the end of the mm-hmm. day, um, it, it's something that impacts people all around the world. Racism has yeah. not been stamped out in the United States. Mm-hmm. It certainly has not been stamped out across the, across the world. And, it's painful to see that happen, and it's more painful to see that happen to someone that sh- that we feel should be insulated from that type of treatment. Mm-hmm. We think as kids, when we get older, we don't have to deal with certain things that we've dealt with as kids. I know for one, I thought when I was a kid, I would never have to deal with being um, gay-bashed or um, taunted racially. And then you become an adult and you're like, well, shit, things are just the same. Maybe even worse because these people know better. At least kids may have heard from their parents, may have heard from their friends. They kind of, you kind of give them an excuse that they don't know better. But as adults, you know better. And we're glossing over the fact, this huge fact, that when the story came out that Megan made Kate cry, the, the palace said nothing. But when the story came out that there's racism in the palace, they suddenly have something to say. And that's, that's exactly something that I talked about on my IG, where people, celebrities in particular, who have a platform, and I'm going to call them out in a second, they suddenly have something to say when the issue becomes directed towards them. So, for example, mm-hmm. and again, I'm going to call him out right now. If you scroll past, if you scroll on Julian Edelman's Instagram page, you will see he did the black square for Black Lives Matter in June 2020. After that post, he has posts where he makes funny videos, posts where he has talks about his kid, posts where he talks about his family, posts of you know, other players and his teammates and Tom Brady and blah, blah, blah. The next post you see, he attacks, well, he, he invites somebody into a conversation. This, is it Myron Leonard or whoever that is, said something. And Julian, who, and I'm not being fresh when I say this, he became a practicing Jewish person a couple of years ago when he almost lost his career over PEDs, he decided to go in and become, you know, study Judaism. And now he's a practicing, I hate saying practice, I hate the word Jew. I hate that word 
So I say Jewish person. So he's a practicing Jewish person now. He's practicing the religion wholeheartedly. Suddenly he has something to say about anti-Semitism. He hasn't said anything about any other issue, but he has something to say about anti-Semitism. And he's saying, oh, this is an open letter to this person and come talk to me if you need, you know, so that we can have lunch. Julian, you know damn well you can get this guy's phone number. Why don't you call him, have a conversation with him, sit down with lunch with him, photos if you really want to, and then post the story up and say, guys, this is how you call someone in. I heard about this story. I called him. We had lunch. We talked. We hung out. This is how you call someone in, guys. But instead, we get this PR marketing thing where he's talking about a situation specific to him. I hate when celebrities do that. I hate it because now that post that he did about George Floyd makes me feel like he did it for a PR stunt to be relevant. Well, so my point is is celebrities talk about all of it. Don't talk about just what concerns you, but sorry, go ahead. But I, I think, you know, and, and this is part of the, the, slippery slope that that happens when you're in the public eye and when you're you know mm-hmm. people want to hear from you now because you have mm-hmm. this platform and you look at what LeBron James does LeBron James mm-hmm. you know could help you know could help build a school for underprivileged youth in his own community he can donate money to voter engagement efforts across the country and work hand in hand with black, with the black community to try to make sure we get vote out and people will still chastise him because he's only addressing those issues. And I think it's, it's hard to say that, you know, that someone should or should not engage in issues that are not personally relevant to them because, you know, and LeBron has spoken publicly about this uh, on multiple occasions. There are, there's a million things that he could jump into. There's a million things that he could, he could engage in and use his platform for, but he's doing those mm-hmm. things that are most important to him at the time because they're mm-hmm. relevant. They're relevant they're relevant and the platform that he has right now, he can he can make real change happen. Um but I think, you know, with Julian it, it's it's it it can seem convenient that he's doing these things at, at a certain time. And I don't know if you know, I don't know who's still you know, who's still on board with Black Lives Matter or who still, you know, feels that uh that they need to show their solidarity with the black community in the United States because, and I said this back when, when, you know, all this stuff was happening in the summertime, people will use this as an opportunity to, to present their, their solidarity. And it's all it is, is is a, is a, a token act. Mm Mm-hmm. All these people, all these people that that change their profile picture to just a black square, um, all these people that you know that that post, um, you know the, the the black fist being raised, you know the 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 um, the symbol of of Black Lives Matter, like that's cool that you want to show that solidarity, but the reason why I didn't do that is because it, exactly that it just became this token act to mm-hmm. to. You know, to do it in the moment. If you really want to do it, then live your life like that. Live your mm-hmm. life like you actually care about what it is that you're posting about or whatever it is that you're sharing on social media or whatever it is that you want to 
portray as your belief system. But if you don't really believe that, you know, you can post whatever you want. You can put up a, you can change your profile picture to a black square. Everyone's going to see through it. Right. Yes, you're right. And it just irks me because, first of all, the black square, and I didn't get it at first. When you post that black square, it didn't mean to go offline for 24 hours. It meant you support us. Now start educating us with black information. And what I mean by black information is, you know, um, a story that affected you um, that may have impacted your, your positive views on black people. Tell, do a post about uh, a black leader, that black inventor, uh, uh, whatever. Just educate us on the black culture. That's what that square meant. It didn't mean go offline for 24 hours. Yet that's what people did. Most people did. They posted up, went offline for 24 hours, and the next day it was back to normal. And yeah, posting their people don't educate and whatever it is. Right. And, and to get back to the palace, that's what I feel like. I feel like they did this. And not only that, if you read that post, it was the weirdest thing. It said, well, we're sorry how you experienced it, but we, we think it's, you know, we, we have a different version of how we remember things, but we'll certainly investigate it. So let me get this straight. Did you talk to somebody about it or do you remember it differently? I'm sorry. I don't understand. I'm confused. So clearly, they know what they did was wrong. They don't want to admit it, and they just want to say, we're going to investigate it. In turn. What the hell are you going to investigate? What? No, come out and say, I apologize. for. This is another thing people do, and I've spoken about this. When you apologize to somebody, you just need to apologize. You don't need to add anything. You need to say, I am sorry, period. Not, I'm sorry for how you feel. I am sorry. I'm sorry for the words I said. I'm sorry. For, not, I'm sorry for the words I said that offended you. No, just, I'm sorry for the words I said. I'm sorry for the actions I did. Add any fluff to it. And I think people need to take a step back before you apologize to somebody and really think, how would you want to be apologized to? Because saying to somebody, this is I'm sorry relation. for how you feel, gross. I know, I know. They should have just called me and Joe. We it's would have public relations. Yeah. Well, it's, it, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that's a public relations. If you apologize for something, then you're mm-hmm. admitting that what you did was wrong. And that's okay right. when you're talking about to a family member or a friend or whoever it is mm-hmm. when, you're, you know, when, you're, when you're not British royalty or you're not you know, the, 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 the crown. But that's the thing. Like, mm-hmm. they're, so, they're so overprotective of their image and mm-hmm. you know the all all of the things that come along with being British royalty, that mm-hmm. offering an apology has to have a disclaimer because from a public relations right. standpoint, if they add any embellishment to it that admits that they're guilty or admits that they've done something wrong, that tarnishes their image and they and they can't have that. That would be right. That would be a scandal. The, the people would be aghast by it. Um, but that's the one thing that, you know, that really was, uh, was shocking to me was when, um, was when Harry was, was mentioning that the conversation that he had was with somebody. And, and by all accounts, I think most people recognize that it could only have been either Prince Charles or Prince William. 
that that made that comment because it was somebody high up enough that they you know within the family that he would have labeled them by that term so you know it's shocking mm-hmm. to to hear those things it's shocking to understand that and to know that you know without saying it this is who who it could potentially be that's scandalous that's enough of a scandal in and of itself that they already are concerned more with the damage control than actually trying to make mm-hmm. it right or to welcome welcome Prince Harry back into the fold and say, hey, listen, I know now I understand why you guys wanted to, to get out of here. And and another thing, people, I don't think they fully watch. Let me get let me back up. I think they already had their perceptions and then they watched it and they ignored certain things. People try to say that Harry and Meghan um, walked away from British royalty. No, they didn't walk away. They were forced out. When you tell a royal prince that your children are not going to have security, and when, when we mean security, we mean after watching his mother Mur- like basically murdered in a Paris tunnel, being chased by all of these reporters. He is overly cautious about his wife and his children's safety. That would be like saying the president of the United States is no longer protected. They no longer has secret service. That's basically what they were saying. They just wanted their child to have, or children, to have security details. That's it. That's all they wanted. They didn't care about money. Of course, we found out later that they didn't know how, well, Harry didn't know how to make money. Um, But she said, if it comes with a title, fine, whatever, then give them a title. But we don't really need a title for our children. And they're like, no, that's not how it works. Well, sweetheart, if a title entailed purity, then why in the world did Prince Andrew's daughter both get titles? That means they have security. He's not going to ever be king. Why did his children have, have titles then? Answer that. They could have easily given Archie a title and security, but why didn't they? What's different from Harry and Meghan's union than pedo Andrew or William or Prince Edward's children. What's different? What is different? There can only be one difference. And I want to ask you this question because when I think to her and when she said that bombshell, I immediately thought of you. You told me that your dad is biracial and your mom mm-hmm. is Italian. Mm-hmm. Clearly, I'm I'm assuming because I've never seen a picture of your dad. Your dad is white passing, correct? Oh, uh, definitely. I, I would why say definitely, hell, especially more so now. Why the hell would anybody talk about some baby skin color? You have two two parents who are uh, look like a white couple. Why the hell would you care what the kids look like? What's they're clearly going to well, be white. I don't, I don't, what? So I would, I, I would say there's, there's a couple different things in terms of that dynamic. When, when my parents mm. were getting married back in the, you know, back in the, the 70s, in the early 70s, mm-hmm. um, we had a very, very different 
you know, social climate. Of course. Even my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Yeah, even my grandfather said the same, said a similar comment to my mom. You know, and because my dad back then, back then he was young, when he was younger, his skin was darker. And mm-hmm. over the course of, uh, you know, over the course of his life, that's continued to, to, to lighten it. it and, um, and so he's much more white passing now, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the meaning, day. Well, well, um, sorry, not to interrupt you, but meaning he went from like people thinking he's probably Hispanic to now he's just white passing. No, no, no. I would right. say that people, people, people definitely could tell that he was, he was black. Oh, okay, okay. All right. Sorry, if you saw if you saw my dad's high school, if you saw his high school picture and saw a picture of him now, mm-hmm. you'd think it was two totally different people. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it's that much of a stark contrast. Um, there are certain things that you know that are unavoidable in that situation, which is mm-hmm. you know, it's one thing to you know to joke that my dad looks like Jesse Jackson, you know, when he was younger. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to make that joke mm-hmm. about it, which has always been the you know the the and I I think about some of the things that were said and they weren't said in hurtful ways to my dad but I think about some of the mm-hmm. things there was a they, when they used to play football they used to play football with uh, with the other uncles and um and they used to have this play called NGL and I'll tell you the uh, GL meant for go long and that's what they mm-hmm. got it yeah that's what they called mm-hmm. that's what they called the play so um. And, and, you know, I, I can't imagine how uncomfortable of a situation that is to be in that mm-hmm. position where you're trying to assimilate with your family and mm-hmm. someone says a play like that. And, you know, it's that uncomfortable moment where you kind of laugh it off and, and um, you know, it's hard to, it, like I said, it's hard to be in that dynamic and have that interaction with family and be like, you know, that's offensive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I can't imagine what my dad was going through. I can't imagine what he experienced in that situation. And I can't imagine what he experienced when his soon-to-be father-in-law is worried about what their kids are going to look like. Um, right. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 40-something years ago, 45 years right. ago, 46 years ago, 47 years ago, when, you know, when, when we're talking about this stuff happening, um, we're in a different world, you know, now you would think that a lot of that stuff would, would go away. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's the, that's the painful reality that we're seeing is that it doesn't matter if yeah. you're British royalty. It doesn't matter if you're marrying a prince. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you, you know, if you have the, you know, the support of, you know, uh, of the British people, there's always going to be that undertone of race mm-hmm. involved in a conversation until we get to a point where we just start saying, these are people, I don't care what color mm-hmm. you, I don't care what your history is. I don't care what your, you know, what your, your past is, or, or, you know, if you care about, you know, your, your, your cultural heritage, and that's great. You own that. That's you, but that doesn't matter in judging you as a person. It's what Martin Luther King always talked about with the content of, of someone's character as opposed mm-hmm. to the color of their skin we have not gotten to that point. So whether it's nope. my mom dealing with it or it's somebody in British royalty dealing with it, 
we're always going to have that as, as the undercurrent until we, we finally come to grips with the fact that race does not really matter. It should not matter. Nope. It should not be a topic of conversation in determining the content of someone's character. Thought of when they said that was um, this person that Joe and I went to high school with. He is not biracial or mixed race, but he is a different skin color and hair color and eye color than his brothers and sisters. And his whole life, including in high school, he got called the N-word and he got racially profiled. And that's kind of how he and I became friends because we were kind of both on the same ends of the spectrum being that he was considered a person of color when he wasn't. And it's just, it was just crazy to me that, you know, people kept saying, you know, did your mom cheat on your dad? Like, how could you be different than everybody else? Well, let me just give you a little, um, give you a little tidbit. Eva Longoria from the Desperate Housewives is beautiful, right? Everybody says she's one of the most beautiful women on the planet. If you ask her, she will tell you her brothers and sisters are all blonde hair and blue eyed. She is biologically her parents' kid. That one kid just came, came out different. And everybody loves and accepts her just the way she is. But I just, I, I just can't get over thinking that these two people who are pretty much alabaster skin. And Megan has always been alabaster. She, she didn't change her, her skin color didn't change like your dad. She's always been light skinned. And for them to even question what Archie would look like, who happens to look almost identical to Harry, by the way. Um, (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it was crazy. It was crazy hearing that story. And I gasped. I was like, not Diana's children, not Diana's ex-husband. I watched The Crown. There was nothing about race. I was a huge Diana supporter. I used to play with Diana paper dolls for crying out loud. And I know y'all don't know what paper well, dolls are because you're too young. Go ahead. You know, back back in the day, back in the day, um, you know, even you know, despite the fact that um, you know that we all, you know, that my my siblings and I came from the same parenting, people would ask me if I was adopted because my brother and Ugh. sister both had really curly hair. They had, they um, mm-hmm. you know, they they had they had wider noses they had you know they had a lot of features that would be considered more black and i use air quotes around it because again there's just such a, a or a, more mixed a wide looking. spectrum mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and and they had characteristics which could more easily identify them as mm-hmm. as being you know of of a different lineage and you know uh that's to me like that was one of the things growing up is people would always ask me like Am I adopted? Mm. And not without even thinking, like, awesome. did, did it ever occur to anyone that maybe I have more of my mom's side of the family's genetic traits? Like, this isn't rocket science. This is, mm-hmm. you know, this is a, a, a and what is supposed to, supposedly a, a, a diverse, you know, country and a, a, mm-hmm. a, mixing, a mixing pot, a melting pot. You know, how, how is it such a far cry to understand that, you know, the genetic makeup of somebody, it varies and some characteristics are going to vary. And none of those things matter because I don't think 
I'm a better person than my brother and my sister. I don't think I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm more competent or capable. I mean, there's certain things that I do better than them. There's certain things that none of those things mm-hmm. have anything to do with what our racial makeup is. And I think what made it worse for your sibling is that they look, they look more alike than you look like them. So then people start mm-hmm. saying, you know, well, gee, is Joe adopted? Because those two look – and the, the thing about it, guys, Joe's the middle child. He's not, he's not the older or the young. He's the middle one. So they're thinking, oh, yeah, Joe's definitely adopted. No. If you really look at his siblings, they do look alike. You just have to, like, kind of, like and, – and I wouldn't advise this just staring at them because um, then they look at you funny. But, um, <laughs> yeah, you guys do look alike, though. You guys do. I, I he is more. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. James is way more funny than you are, though. I'm going to give it to him. He is. He cracks me up on the regular. He is like one of the funniest people ever. I love your brother. He's amazing. I I think I my know. both my brother and sister are hilarious. Top yeah. of Kathy's more reserved though. <laughs> yeah, Kathy's definitely uh, she more can reserved. Be. Yeah, yeah. She can be. She's she's uh she's got her own brand of humor which I find to be uh pretty <laughs> hilarious at times and really frustrating at other times. Oh stop, you love it. Um I do. I love yeah, I so love them both dearly. Stemmed off of this one thing, this one interview, right? As Joe mentioned, Piers Morgan was confronted. He has he was on this show called Good Morning Britain. Uh, as weird as that sounds, he was on a morning show. This vile, hateful man was on a morning show. Oh, my God. I would not want to wake up with him. Um, so his co-host, who happens to be a weatherman, don't get me started on that. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Joe. Don't get me started. His name is Alex um, Beersford. He confronted Pierce and he yeah. said, you know what? Yesterday I listened to you. Be great, Megan. Be great. Because she used to have a relationship with you and cut you off. She's allowed that. Doesn't mean you get to berate her. He's like, okay, that's it. I'm done. And he, Pierce walks off. What Alex is talking about is this. Pierce did an interview a couple years ago saying that he had a pub date with Megan. Megan, girl, I give you credit because holy shit. Anyway, um, she went on a date with him, one date. They had a lovely time. They had a lovely time talking. And then he called the cab for her because her friend said, I want you to come to this house party. So she's like, okay, I got to end it. She gets in the cab and she goes and leaves. The cab takes her to a party where she meets Harry, who I still can't believe she had no idea that Harry was a prince. So... She, she and Harry get along, and now they're together, blah, blah, blah. But Piers did not hear back from Megan after that. And he's been sour grapes ever since. And this is why and, he's and so obsessed one, with being rude to her. Go ahead. One huge, one huge point that I think really uh, clarifies the story, too, is that that's Pierce's account. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, true. That's right. his account of right. This isn't what right. other people have said. This isn't what Megan said. Because Megan hasn't really talked about it publicly. 
Nope. This is this is a situation where he is the one who gave those details. He's the one who told the story True. about meeting her for a pub date and her him calling her a cab. And you know that was a, a, a in a public interview that he gave where he's the one who gave that account. So this That's isn't true. like someone publicly trying to to paint a certain picture. This is his own interpretation of what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I met you for a pub date. There would be no second date. Um, not to be rude or anything like that, and I'm not going to attack your looks or anything like that. But you were just it wouldn't work, dude. Sorry. I don't, I don't know what you were thinking, but whatever. Um, so he quit. He ended up coming back on the show and said, you know, after reflecting, I still stand by my words of criticism for Megan. And I don't believe her when she said that she wanted to kill herself, basically what he was saying. And I'm just going to quit the show because I've gotten too much criticism and I don't want to face it. Basically, I read between the lines, guys. So he quit. And when he did, Sharon Osbourne went on Twitter. Her friend, as she's saying it was to support her friend, his right to freedom of speech. But she made it sound like he was some sort of victim. I stand with you. I stand with your right to freedom of speech. Uh, freedom of speech? That's something that we have in the U.S. I'm not sure how it works in the U.K., but some things are not, you shouldn't be able, you shouldn't be allowed to, to say. When someone says something racist, uh, transphobic, homophobic, pedophilic, whatever, you should not support them in saying that. Uh, I'm sorry. I just, that's, if Joe came out and said something, homophobic, transphobic, whatever, you bet I'm going to be texting him, dude, we need to have a conversation. That's not something I would say, Joe, I support your right to free speech. No, sweetheart. I'm having a conversation with you, and we, we hashing this out. Um, so that's how Sharon Osborne got in the mix. And then what happened was she went on a tirade I was watching it live because I've watched the talk since 2014. When Cheryl Underwood asked, now, you're my friend, Sharon, but what if people saying that you supporting your friend aligns you with being racist? She was like, educate me. Educate me on when he was racist. Um, yeah, it just got worse from there. And then Cheryl, kind of, and then she said to her, and don't cry because I should be the one crying. What, girl? Elaine, who's new to the show, who I think Elaine is multiracial. She's like, yeah, this is uncomfortable confronting this on live air. Um, But Sharon, you are a friend, and we're just trying to educate you. Some reason Sharon listened more to Elaine than she did to Cheryl. Um, Yeah. I'm going to stop there. Joe, what are your thoughts on those two situations, the Pierce and the Sharon situation? Oh, I, I took a chance to, uh, to watch both of those. I didn't see the, the talk conversation live, but yeah, I did get uh, it was uh, to see the, the repeat of it. Um, so, 
you know, the Piers situation, um, you know, part of me is, is really frustrated that that's the dialogue mm-hmm. that we end up having about this conversation. Like I thought they were having a somewhat fruitful dialogue until he decided mm-hmm. to, you know, basically, to basically storm off without, you know, continuing to engage and he can be offended by whatever he wants. He, he can also say whatever he wants. Right. He does have freedom of speech to be able to say it. He does have freedom from consequences. And I know that's a common you know, right. phrase that people use, but you could say whatever you want, but don't expect people to, to you know, to jump on your side unless you're Sharon Osborne, of course. Um, don't expect people to jump on your side if they disagree with you. I think what you're saying is really awful. Um, and you mm-hmm. can give your half-hearted apology about, you know, being concerned about suicide and taking, you know, taking that very seriously, mental health issues very seriously. And that's cool that, that you can come out and try to, you know, then try to brush it off like what you said isn't what you said. But at the end of the day, um, I, I don't I've never been the type of person that has um, has enjoyed watching Piers Morgan. I, I've always thought he was mm-hmm. kind of a. I don't know. He, I think he was controversial for controversy's controversy sake. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He would just say things to intentionally be controversial, and and yeah. if that's his bread and butter, great. You know, then then you know, there's, I'm sure there's an audience for that. I've never been a big fan mm-hmm. of it. Um, Me either. But to be so disingenuous in that conversation and say we're welcoming someone onto the show who I've had dialogue with, especially about race, and you know, and then to just storm off like a two year old is. Mm-hmm. Beyond petty, you you don't have mm-hmm. to like just like you, people don't have to like what you say. You don't have to like the criticism that someone puts on you. But if you want to pretend like you're engaged in active dialogue and you enjoy the freedom of speech that that is afforded to us uh, under certain circumstances, then then sit there and take it because that's mm-hmm. that was Alice's perception of the situation. Which you know, again. I wasn't there. I, I, I can't say for one reason or another why Meghan Markle doesn't want to talk to him or, or engage with him. Um, right. But, you know, whatever the situation is, Alex has a right to say his mind. And if you mm-hmm. want to storm off like a two-year-old, that's on you. You want to quit your show? Right. You know, that, 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 that's, that's your bad. Um, right. He'll, you know, he'll be back. He'll be back in some way, shape or form. He said it himself uh, um, because there uh, isn't, there is an audience for his, his, you know, his drivel. Um, uh, but Sharon Osbourne, that situation just seems mm, so mm. wild to me. Getting worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She just keeps putting her foot mm-hmm. in her mouth. And mm-hmm. the original response on the talk where she's arguing back and forth and, and saying, educate me and yelling at them to educate. Like mm-hmm. she was getting amped up. They were, everybody else was pretty chill. Yeah. <laughs> and she's getting all amped up about it and saying, I'm not a racist. You know who does that? People that are effing racist. <laughs> like, you, Typically, yeah. You, Typically, yeah. You don't want to be mm-hmm. ra- you don't want to be racist. That's cool. You know, if if you're if you're saying that that's really who you are as a person that you're not racist, that's cool. But why are you getting so amped up about it? You're defending your friend. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. You know that's that's on you again to to jump on that side of the the argument. But um, you know, to, to then say you know if anyone should be crying, it's hurt. I mean, that's laughable. Yeah, and then it, he was saying it, it's embarrassing. And then she was saying, if anyone's racist, it wouldn't be me. How can I possibly be racist? Joe, I swear to God, she said that. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? So this is why I'm saying it's getting worse. 
uh, Holly Robinson Pete, and mm. she's been saying it for years, but now people are listening. She's come out and said, when I was first on the talk, Leah Remini and I got let go from the talk after Sharon Osbourne made comments that we were too ghetto. Um, she's not saying that Sharon got her fired. She's saying this was said from Sharon's mouth, and then they were let go sometime after. Um, that's number one. Number two, in response to that, Sharon released an email where Holly says, you know, hey, Sharon, I missed the show. Do you know what happened? I need some more insight. You know, I'm, I'm sure CBS is pressuring you as well for stuff. I haven't heard back from you. I, you've gone radio silent. I don't know what's going on. Um, yeah. So that was in her response. Uh, I, I think it's petty when you release emails. I think it's weird. Um, and I kind of lost a little respect for Sharon when she did that. The second incident, um, when it came out that Megan and Harry were dating on air, Cheryl Underwood was like, yes, this is great. You know, black person in, in the royal family at the palace. And Sharon said, look at her. We don't consider her black. There's literally a clip of Sharon saying this. So basically she was saying because Megan is white presenting, she's not considered black. Let's ask Megan what she considers herself. Because just as I tell you I am trans and what my pronouns are, when someone of different background, a different race, whatever, when someone tells you who they are, believe them and stick to it. We say this yeah, when a I, lot of – go ahead. I, I, go ahead. I believe Sharon's that? comment was actually was, – wasn't, wasn't that she, she specifically said she ain't black. <laughs> she did. She literally did. Yeah. She ain't black. The way, the way that – I think the way Joe was phrasing it is kind of coming off that she was a racist. And I think that's the yeah. implication. Am I wrong? Because <laughs> she, she uses the, the ebonics that we popularized. Um, but my point is, and I'm sure Joe has heard this, women are told by their moms, their sisters, their friends, when a guy tells you who he is, believe him and run. So a guy will say to us, and, and I'm being 100% honest. A guy will be like, yeah, I drink. I'm really into sex. And mm, I kind of don't want a relationship. But we women think, oh, my God, he just needs to meet the right person. I can change him. And our friends are saying, when he tells us who he is, we believe him. That goes across the board. Holly Berry is biracial but she considers herself a black woman. Believe her. Don't say she's not black enough. Don't say she's, she's too white or whatever. She says she's a black woman. Take her as that. And, and I think that we don't do that enough. So basically that's what Sharon did. She 
said, Megan ain't black enough for me to consider her black. So with those two instances, CBS is now investigating Sharon, and it looks like she may not be on the talk anymore. We don't know. We don't oh, know. Here we go. Cancel culture. Yeah. Cancel culture. Cancel culture. So now two people have been canceled. A third person has been canceled. And I don't know if you know about this one. When she heard about the interview, Bethany Frankel went to Twitter. And I'm, I'm telling you this in order. She heard the interview was happening. She didn't watch it yet. We heard about it. And she tweeted, cry me a river, the plight of being a game show host, fairly unknown actress, to suffering in a palace with tiaras and seven-figure weddings for two whole years, to being a household name with Oprah on speed dial, fetching seven million for interviews, hundreds of millions in media deals. Hashtag Mary. I'm not understanding what that means. So basically she's saying that before she saw the interview, Megan's doing this for clout. After watching the interview, I watched Megan and Harry sit down. Emotional distress and racism must feel suffocating and powerless. I'm a polarizing, unfiltered, often to a fault, flawed person with a voice. When I heard of the interview during a pandemic, it felt like a surprising choice. I'm sorry if I hurt or offended you. Um, yeah, I'm going to give my opinion after. You can, <laughs> you, you can go if you wish. So, first of all, do you know who Bethany Frankel is? <laughs> uh, so I, I, I mean, I do know who Bethany Frankel is. I don't really. Oh, okay. But I, I think the, the best response is I was reading an article about this, and it was a response where someone said um, that how we feel about you between just talking about Crimea River and and must be such a tough, tough life. Um, yeah. There was a response that someone came back and saying that's how we felt about you and have you cried about your divorce. Right? Yes. You're breaking up a little, but I heard what you meant. Um, yeah. And somebody did tweet that. We sat with you when you were crying about your divorce for 15 years or however it was. First of all, remember, by the way, he's really cute. Um, she put us through the ringer with that divorce. And for her to say something about Megan was just so tone deaf. I have an idea. If you are not a person of color, please don't talk about racism. (laughs) Don't talk about if you believe somebody or not. If you are not a person of color, you have no standing when it comes to if something's racist or not. I, I, I apologize, but and so, uh, you will never experience racism as a person of non-color. Period. End of story. If you are peach or apricot, you don't. The only people that experience racism with peach, alabaster, or apricot skin are albinos and what the black community calls light-skinned folk. Light-skinned black folk. Um, they experience racism within the community, but go ahead. I think it's important and, and, 
you know, in the topic of, of discussing race relations in general, I think it's important to understand that, that while I don't want conversation, I, I agree that there's certain things that you just don't have the ability to, uh-uh. to discuss or to, to offer your opinion on. And some of those things mm-hmm. are specifically how a person of color feels, how they mm-hmm. have experienced race and how it has impacted them personally, anecdotal stories that they have observed on their own that have potentially traumatized them. I'm sorry. You, you, mm-hmm. I, and I don't want to limit the conversation. I think it's an important conversation that everyone should be involved in. However, mm-hmm. your opinion on how an event took place or someone's feelings mm-hmm. about something or their own experience about race do not matter if Mm-mm. you're not bringing something to the, to the conversation that is, you know, how do we fix that? How do we, how do we deal with something like that? How do we make something mm-hmm. like that better? How do we prevent that from happening mm-hmm. again? If, if that's not what you're bringing to that conversation, then shh, this is quiet time for you. <laughs> <laughs> Get your notebook and pen and take some notes because you are here to yeah. learn and be educated, Sharon. Not to offer an opinion. If you don't want to be educated, then that's on you. But, right. you know, the last thing that you should be doing in those situations is talking about how could I be racist? I'll tell you how, because mm-hmm. you are in a, in a position of power where mm-hmm. you can control the career, the livelihood mm-hmm. of people of color. And if if there's any veracity about what Holly Robinson Pete said, or even Leah Remini, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that is the exact definition of racism, where you use your power to subjugate another person, to make them less than. Yeah. And when people decry, when people say, oh, now, now these, these black people are being racist to us, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. It's not a power relationship where black people are controlling your ability to make a living. They're not controlling your freedom. They're not controlling your ability to walk down the street without being accosted by police for simply being a specific color. There's the power relationship that is required to have any ism happen is not something where if you are in that, that position of power, you have any right to say that it's not happening or to say that you know, it's not your experience because you literally cannot experience it. Two celebrities that I struggle with on the daily. Um, Mark Wahlberg is one. When he was younger, he grew up in Dorchester, Mass. And Dorchester, Mass, at that time, the part, the section he grew up in was very different than what it is now. Very rough. Straight hood. Especially for a white (laughs) kid. Uh, Okay, I didn't want to say it, but yeah, (laughs) it was straight hood. Mark got into trouble because he said the N-word as he threw something at a bunch of kids. He beat up uh, a convenience store owner and called him the G-word for Asian, the pejorative G-word for Asian Americans or Asians in general. And he beats this guy so bad, the guy's blind in one eye now. Um, to this day, he's, he's blind in one eye. Mark served time, went to jail, um, got out, went into Marky Mark, and got into music, 
became, you know, Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, became a, a producer, actor, and was nominated for an Oscar and wants his, um, what is it? Not strip, excused or expunged expunged. or whatever. Expunged. Expunged, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, because he feels like he wants to show his kids that you can change. Um, the store owner has publicly forgiven him, hasn't he? Or no? I can't even remember. This is a topic that I was, I apologize, Joe. I, I, I wanted to talk, I just started thinking about it when we were discussing, when you were talking, actually. I haven't given him time to research it, but um, here's the thing. All right, no, let me, let, me, let me talk about the other person, and then I'll talk about them together. The other person I have a huge dilemma with is Henry Cavill. I love Henry Cavill. I have a movie called Kitty. In the movie, I'm a producer, but the character, one of the characters is sort of based on me. And because my friend who wrote the script knew I had such a crush on Henry Cavill, there's a nickname for the for another character called Superman in it because he knows how much I love Henry Cavill. A couple of years ago, when hashtag Oscars so white went viral, meaning there were no people of color nominated for Oscars that year, Henry Cavill did an interview and said, "Well, isn't bringing up the fact that there." are no black people racist in itself? I mean, so white, that's, that's racism. And I'm like, oh, Henry. Oh, Henry, I loved you, but I don't know what's going to happen now. Here's why I'm problematic with both Henry and Mark. If you look at their careers, and let's just say that those are off, I'm misunderstanding their words. I'm looking too deep into their, their meaning. They have never had people of color, women of color, as their co-stars. They've never had love interest in their movies. And, Joe, educate me. I, I don't, like, fully forgive them because it kind of seems to me that both of them are kind of racist. I don't know. Uh, well, let me, being let in me, movies with me, people with color is fine, but they don't have love interest kissing scenes, romantic scenes with people of color. So I'm sorry, go right ahead. So uh, the, the situation with, with Mark Wahlberg, yes, the, the store owner did end up uh, forgiving him. And okay, uh, this was several years ago now. And, and that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about the fact that this guy was, was willing to forgive him. And I believe his name was, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this. I think it was Thon Lam. He was mm-hmm. a Vietnamese guy. Um, mm-hmm. And I apologize if I butchered his name. I, um, okay. I, I apologize. Um, but the thing, and, and to me, this is the distressing part about it. Like, own your shit. You want mm-hmm. your kids to know that you can recover from something? then don't bury what you were. Mm-hmm. Don't bury what happened. Mm-hmm. You can expunge it, but at the end of the day, you are who you are. And if you have mm-hmm. a, a successful or, or a, a positive redemption story, 
I'm happy for you. But don't mm-hmm. pretend like something didn't happen by trying to right. wash it away or get rid of it. Like, that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, because when he washes it away, say, he washes what he did to that man. He erases it completely. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. go ahead. Sorry. And, and, and that's, 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 that's shameful. Um, the one thing mm-hmm. I was going to say, and, and, you know, this is part of, um, you know, part of what I, I think is the problem with Hollywood in general is that, you know, who people uh, assign to roles or who people uh, ask to do certain roles and play love interest for people, um, you know, sometimes that's beyond an, an actor's control. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's part, of the, part of the larger issue is that, you know, we see these situations where, um, where these roles are sanitized for, for mass mm-hmm. consumption. And, you know, there, there are certain, you know, there are certain roles like, like four brothers comes to mind, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, here's, here's this, this white, this white dude playing a, a brother to, you know, to two, to two black characters, um, mm-hmm. you know, in theory, they're, they're brothers. And, you know, it, to me, it, it reflects on the past that Mark Wahlberg had, which, you know, you, you can't take, you can take Mark Wahlberg out of Dorchester, but you can't take Dorchester out of Mark Wahlberg. So right. to me, there's certain times where he has owned it. And it, this is one of those situations where he should own it and just accept the fact that, you know, this is who he was. You want to teach your kids a lesson, teach them that they can come back from something that is a horrible action, a horrible, you know, mm-hmm. behavior that you exhibited and that you're better than that. Um, Right. I also will say, and this is just my, my perception on Mark Wahlberg's career, especially more recently, a lot of the things that he has done are catering to a specific audience. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, like the one that comes to mind is like Lone Survivor. Um, yeah. And there was another one that he did. Um, well, Patriot's oh, Day, that's the one I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. Shooter, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's doing these yep. roles um, where, you know, I, I feel like he's catering to a certain demographic, um, mm-hmm. but then he'll come out with like Spencer Confidential where he's trying to cater yep. to, you know, so he's hopping from one foot to another. And I know that that, that can be tough as an actor because you want to honor certain things, but um, Henry Cavill, you know, mm. the conversation about him and his comments, mm. it's just an ignorant comment it's an ignorant comment that, you know, maybe comes from a place of, of, you know, literal ignorance that he just did, you know, wasn't aware of how that would be perceived, but, um, you know, when you're asking a question like that, are you genuinely trying to get the answer? Are you genuinely right. trying to find out like, right. Hey, is, is this racist? Or are you just saying it mm-hmm. because you're, you know, you're offended by the fact that, that people are calling this out. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and I wonder, you know, again, I can't peek into, you know, Henry Cavill's mind. I, I'm not, I'm not him. I'm not his best friend or whatever, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, that's something he's got to reconcile, uh, within oh. himself. And if he's not racist, then, you know, make an effort, make an effort to engage with a community that you largely, uh, are not engaged with. Maybe the solution to have more diversity is in the members, but does that mean we are saying that to have more black Academy members would result in more 
black nominations, is that not racist itself? That was the exact quote. Please, Yeah. Please, Um, But to my point, though, neither one of them have ever had, except that I think that, well, especially in the other guys, Mark Wahlberg was so interested in Eva Mendez's character, who was Skinner. I'm not sure exactly what she is. Um, Hispanic, I'll just say, because I'm not sure. Um, But he's not had a person of, a woman of color be his love interest. And I get that. I, I get your point where you're saying, you know, hey, you know, it's not always up to them, but he is a fucking producer. He yeah. is a producer, especially in a movie called Four Brothers, where two of his brothers are black. You don't think that it would be necessary for the white guy to be dating a black girl or a Spanish girl? It's called Four Brothers. You got Tyrese in it. Dude, come on. And I yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Um, I'm just going to, yeah. So, I don't know what the, I don't know. Should we? Do you think that Bethany, Piers, and Sharon will be canceled after this, I guess, is my other question. I think Piers will be back in no time. There's, like I said, there's Ugh. an audience for his, his, his vitriol and the way that he, uh, yeah. you know, will speak his mind. And, again, I use air quotes around that. But, um, yep. you know, that's the thing. Uh, I don't think he'll be canceled. Um, do I think Sharon Osbourne will be canceled? No, because as long as there's some – like even even lingering uh, interest in in her and what she has to say and the fact that she's Ozzy Osbourne's outspoken wife. Like there's always going to be that opportunity, um, you know. And you know, for for Bethany Frankel, you know, she's she's somebody that parlayed her success on The Apprentice into something you know bigger. Do I think mm. that that she's going to be canceled? You know, probably not. And, you know, frankly, I, I'm, I'm not a huge advocate of, of cancellation, you know, cancel culture and all that good stuff in general. But, um, uh, you know, I do think that people should take their converse, their comments with a grain of salt and, you know, that buyer beware. It's what the consumer will allow, what the consumer will, uh, will, 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 will accept and, and continue to, to pay for. So it's on us to, to, you know, to allow our dollars to do our, our speaking for us. And if we, if we don't feel that they're appropriate to, uh, to give those dollars to, then we don't. There's going to be plenty of people out there who do, and there's going to be plenty of people that do it just for the sake of saying, I'm not going to let these people be canceled, and I'm not going to let these woke libs take away, you know, this person's career. You know, there, there's always going to be that element that, that, that pushes back that way. So... You know, how do you how do you end up doing that? You know, it's your personal uh, personal mission to uh, you know to to put your dollars to work for you and how you want them to uh, to play out in uh, you know in 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 these people's lives and these people's careers. Um, I personally think that Sharon will be canceled. Here's why: daughter Kelly Osborne was involved in two racist things. Um, One, when she was on Fashion Police, which was one of my favorite shows. And Juliana Rancic said, Zendaya with those dreads, this was before Zendaya was really big. 
This was when she was transitioning from Disney to Hollywood. Some uh, Juliana Rancic said, um, doesn't Zendaya look like she smells like patchouli? And then somebody said, or weed. And she's like, yeah, or weed. And Kelly was in, she, she didn't say the or weed part, but she was adjacent to it. Um, yeah, the whole show got canceled. Juliana suffered severely. Zendaya was disgusted and called her a racist. And she ended up, Juliana apologized to um, Zendaya. Kelly was adjacent to that. She was on the show. She was laughing. So they kind of made her uh, culpable for that. And then when Kelly was on The View, she said something about Latinos. So basically, Sharon is also adjacent to racism, but also we, from the two examples I, I stated, appears to be racist. So I think in this woke culture that we're in, Sharon will probably be canceled. Piers, you know what's funny? Piers has made more disgusting things than Sharon and Kelly combined, but because he's a man, a white man, people will not cancel him so easily. So I think he's going to survive. Uh, Bethany who? Um, I think it's long been time that hook had been canceled for a lot of stuff she said. And so I mm. think the women are going to suffer and peers will not. That's what I think, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I could be wrong, but whatever. Um, the I last do want to throw one thing topic, out there. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I want to throw one, one thing out there. Uh, yeah. Sandy Newton was, uh, was uh, Mark Wahlberg's co-star and love interest. In um, Truth About Charlie. Oh, the charade. Oh, yeah. Now, I didn't see that movie. Were they romantical or were they just like co-stars? Um, I didn't see the movie. I, I have to you rethink about like, how the movie played out. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I, if I remember correctly, there was some, there was some stuff. Okay. I will have to read. I will, I will watch it because I... I remember it came out, but I don't remember watching it because I hated Mark so much. But, um, yeah. So the last major topic we're going to talk about is Joe's favorite topic. Um, I recently came across this guy who posted on Twitter, I'm straight, and I said, yes, I am. And then they said, this is the whole video he made. And then someone says, well, then you date trans women. And he says, no, I don't consider them real women. I date real women. So now I'm considering myself super straight. And I am part of the LGBTQ community. Hmm. Um, first of all, and I was trying hmm. to find the tweet before, um, before the show started. I never found the tweet. I, you, know, you know my ignorant ass you know damn well I had to reply to him. Um, and I can't find my tweet. What are your thoughts on super straight? Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Oh, my God. First of all, yeah. you, 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 can't be, you can't be super anything. Uh, uh, right. 
there's no there's no amplifier. I, I don't I don't care who you are. You can't be more straight. You can't be more, like there's no such thing. I, I, that's that's my that's my personal opinion. Um, right. You, you can't be more straight. You you you're either straight and you're interested in women, which is mm-hmm. you know again you there's no modifier to women. You're right. Right. Straight and you're interested in women or mm-hmm. what, whatever, whatever other inclination you have, there's no modifier. I'm just going to leave it at that. I, I don't, I don't care what, you know, like it, whatever it is that, you know, you want to call your, your category that you, 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 you you fall under how you, how you mm-hmm. define yourself. You can't, you can't be super, just like you can't be super gay. You either are gay <laughs> or you're not. Well, I have to <laughs> disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, so again, that's and that's and that's the thing. Like, oh, that's funny. But you think about it, like, and, yeah. and I've heard that I've heard I've heard people that are gay explain that they're super gay, and I'm like, you're either gay or you're not. You can't be super gay. <laughs> like, I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one, Joe. I I <laughs> I think it, it, it's and and this I'm is the way dying. I'll explain it. Just just, just because you walk around. Um, trying to participate in whatever, you know, super masculine event or like, you know, uh, activity that you can do doesn't make you mm-hmm. super, because these are like, you, you can't take a definition of a word and amplify it by, by what right. you're doing, because th- that, that doesn't change the essence of what you are. Um, right. And, and, and I say the same thing about like, you can't be super gay because right. amplifying it by certain behaviors or certain things doesn't make you more gay. It doesn't make you uh, more gay right. than the next person who also uh, identifies under that same category. You either you right. either are or you aren't. Um, exactly. And that's you know to exactly. me that's that's one of the that's one of the things that blurs the line, especially when you're talking about um, having that conversation about. The, uh, trans identity in general when 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 we've we've lived for most of our history um as 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 a, as a culture without really having to wrestle with that with that definition or that mm-hmm. conversation we we retreat back to what is comfortable and what is convenient in terms of how those definitions play out so mm-hmm. you know for someone to say a comment like that it's a douchey comment, mm-hmm. and it's again, yeah. it's really uninformed. But you're not super straight, bro. I got news nope. for you. Nope. <laughs> and I tweeted, of course, you know, my ignorant ass. As a black trans woman, I can confirm you aren't a part of the LGBT plus community. Um, I tweeted another thing, which I definitely cannot find. But I mean, I am joking because. There are, in the LGBTQ community, we do say somebody is super gay. And we're just joking. It's, it's in jest. That's why I started cracking up. And Joe knows it. That's why he started cracking up. Um, he's not <laughs> part of the LGBTQ community, by the way, just to let you know. He's, he's uber straight, okay? Uber straight. Um, <laughs> but I do want to make this clarification for, for Joe and for anybody else. If you do not date trans women, who are women, by the way, we are women. If you do not date us, that's okay. I, I, that's not transphobic to say you don't date trans women. What's transphobic is this man saying, I don't date trans women, and then he's doing what the royal family did with the add-on, 
because they're not real women. That because anything after that makes you transphobic. You don't need to explain your reason to anybody. If I don't like Piers Morgan, I don't have to explain to anybody that he's not my type. He just isn't. Not that he, you know, has chased after me, but don't give me any ideas, Piers. Um, But you don't have to explain why you don't like someone. You can just say, I don't date whatever. That doesn't make you phobic to that. It's when you add that on. Now, there is a caveat. It does make you racist, though, when you say, I don't date black guys. I'm sorry, but it's a little different. I know somebody who said that, and guess what? He now dates black guys. So it's like you can't really, how about you just say that person isn't my type. When it comes to race, just say that person isn't my type. You I would go one step further. Some, go ahead. Go ahead. I would go one step further. I would say mm-hmm. you're just not attracted to that person because saying that someone is not your type leads to, True. there's an inference there that there's a certain type that that person, now you are left to try to identify what about that person is a type. And of course, True. because we live in this hyper-racial climate, people are going to automatically assume that that type is a black person. That person, you know, like, so you're just not attracted to that person. It simplifies the conversation. You don't need to add any uh, embellishment to it. Keep it simple because when people get into trouble is when they try to explain their justifications, when they try to explain and add qualifiers to it. You can just say someone's not your, your type, but it's so much easier just to say, I'm not attracted to that person. For whatever reason, it doesn't matter, but you're just not attracted to that person. And not only that, but... Gets into trouble. Exactly. Feel like, well, that person asked me a question, so I have to... No, you don't. Who said? Who said you have to answer someone? You can be rude and say, listen, and and I explained it on my Facebook. And I actually, you know, I'm going to go ahead and amend it because I I understand your, your, your point. If you say that you're not attracted to that person and they say what doesn't attract you to that person, you do not have to explain it any further than that because they are trying right. to get you into a conversation where you are the bad guy. You have to recognize this. They're trying to lead you in a direction where then they can say, oh, my family member is a racist. My family member is transphobic. If you just say I'm not attracted to trans women, I'm not attracted to that person, when it comes to someone's race, if they just, or, or just say you're not attracted to that person, period. You don't even have to say trans women, black, whatever. Just say I'm not attracted to that person, period. Joe's Keep right. it simple. Save yourself that yeah. ache of trying to explain away whatever your, your phobia is. You know, if you mm-hmm. have a phobia, keep that shit to yourself. Don't, don't offend yes. other people and don't do it intentionally mm-hmm. or unintentionally. There's no, there's no benefit mm-hmm. to doing it. And then you just end up looking like an asshole because you probably are one. I mean, frankly, if, if mm-hmm. that's the kind of you know perspective that you have on things, but you know, at the end of the day, people have you know people have their own perceptions and their own likes and dislikes, and that's okay. You can have those things. Um, it's it's part of being human that we have our own proclivities. But when you, as soon as you start making it about something that 
you know, someone doesn't have control over or, you know, things that, uh, you know, that are, are not relevant to the conversation. Now you are just being an asshole. And the reason why I appreciate Joe saying keep it to yourself is because you can change your mind down the line. But if you have stated, I do not date black guys, and then suddenly you're dating a black guy, now you look like a hypocrite. Now you look like, oh, is this person into, like, slave mentality? Didn't you say that you didn't date black guys? Why are you dating them now? Like, it, it becomes another, you look worse than you actually should have to look. So just, like yeah. Joe said, keep it to yourself. Um, the end of the conversation, just a couple of things I just want to throw out. We don't have to dive too deep into it, but um, over... <laughs> J-Lo and Alex Rodriguez, it was announced that they had broken up. And then Jose Canseco tweeted his shot to her, like, hey, I'm single and I don't cheat. Um, And then all of a sudden, hours later, they're like, yeah, we're still together. We're working on things. How did it come out that they'd broken up then? I'm confused by that. That was weird. I, I don't know. They're, and they're then, working through something. Yeah, working through something. They're working through something. And uh, and and A Rod, I mean A Rod, you know, for for what it's worth, um, you know, if you're, if you're cheating on J Lo, dude, come on, man, get better than that. Uh, he cheated on Jose his first Kiseko, wife, reportedly. Yeah. Yeah. Jose Jose Cateco, you know, shoot your shot, bro, but. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. <laughs> they weren't even broken up for three hours, reportedly, and he shot his shot. Like, Stop trying bro, to stay relevant, bro. Stop it. Because you ain't going to get that anyway, bro. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stop. You're not her Stop. type. Stop trying to be relevant. I'm sorry. Yeah. She's not attracted to you. She's not attracted to you. There um, you go. Sorry, dude. There you go. Um, I do want to mention it has been, as of yesterday, 365 days since the world lost Breonna Taylor and her are not arrested. Um, yeah. And consequently, George Floyd's family won $27 million in a civil case from the city of Minneapolis. Now, I did just speak with my friend about this, so I just want to have, like, a really small discussion. How is it that the city has to pay $27 million, but anybody who's trying the case of those officers is like, mm, they may not have done it? Isn't that meaning, isn't them win- winning that civil case meaning that those cops are guilty? I guess I'm confused. I know they're two different cases, so here, but so there's there's a there's there's two different sets of of, of conversations that are happening. Anytime you have right. a civil case versus a criminal case, the bar is much lower to prove guilt in a civil case than it is in a criminal case. In a criminal case, it's beyond a reasonable doubt. In a civil case, it's the greater preponderance of evidence. I believe is the the term that's used. And mm-hmm. it's basically, if you're over 50% that this person is likely the one who causes this person's death, then that mm-hmm. is enough. In a, in a criminal case, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt, and usually it's in front of a jury of your peers, that this person committed this crime. 
So while the city can take this as an admission of, of their wrongdoing, because it is a wrongful death suit, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't necessarily mean that Derek Chauvin or any of the other officers involved are necessarily going to be held accountable. And I think that's where we see similarities to mm-hmm. other notable cases where someone has died and mm-hmm. there's an opportunity to get, to get that compensation for the family. But number one, it doesn't bring back the person who, who, who died. And number two, it doesn't necessarily automatically mean guilt for that party that was the participant or the person that actually caused someone else's death. And mm-hmm. one of the frustrating things about this, you know, it's a similar situation where it's very frustrating to the black community where they don't feel that they receive justice in the same way that mm-hmm. white people do. And that's part right. of the conversation that spawned the black lives matter movement. The, the conversation that has gone you know, above and beyond in trying to say, why are our police engaging in this way when there are better ways to do it? And I, while I don't want to abolish the police, I don't think that that necessarily is the answer. I do understand why there's a defund movement and why that's incredibly relevant to figuring out how to make sure that these police officers are mm-hmm. not, are, are not uh, meeting out you know, uh, law enforcement in a way that's disproportionately unfair to a, a, a and, you know, there's socioeconomic uh, factors that you have to take into consideration because the police are more present in every low income community because that's where crime happens, et cetera. And there's a whole larger conversation that you can have. But at the end of the day, 27 million is a big statement. It's mm-hmm. a big statement by the city of Minneapolis and it, it at least gives the family of George Floyd some sense of justice in a situation where they're probably, they may not get it for the person who, who is actually responsible being held accountable. Yeah. It was going to be one of my shout outs, but it goes hand in hand with this. Um, 17, Monique Nunez, and I've spoken about this before, I think. Monique Nunez was driving home and she got hit head on by a, um, a boy in a car in a Lamborghini and he killed her instantly. He, ha- he suffered minor injuries, but she died on the scene. And it is going to be a month and her killer has not been brought to justice. People know who this boy is. He was driving without a license. And, and if you go to Justice for Monique Nunez on Instagram, you can follow the family. They just did a, um, a celebration of life for her. Oh, just like terrible, terrible how I'm going to say it and I don't care. If this was a white girl that had passed away, I mean, people are still talking about Natalie Holloway's killer. They're, they're still investigating that. That guy is suspected he killed her, so he is in jail. Yet they, they know who killed this woman, and she's not got justice. I'm confused. I don't get it. What's the yeah, difference between yeah, Monique and Natalie? What's the difference? Well, there, and there you hmm. go. 
That's that's mm-hmm. the problem. Um, mm-hmm. As so, as yeah. a society, you know, you've got this public out. Now, now here's the crazy thing. You've got people that are willing to. They're willing to die on the cross when mm-hmm. an elite an illegal immigrant commits a crime. They're mm-hmm. willing to die on the cross when someone who is not, you know, not their definition of American mm-hmm. does something wrong. But right. heaven forbid some little kid in a Lamborghini, you know, it's like it, 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 for some reason this kid gets a pass. He hasn't even been brought in on charges. Mm-hmm. You've got nope. Uh, you've got and Brock Turner is another great example uh, of somebody who just completely uh, avoids justice. And mm-hmm. how do you not accept the you know accept the reality that this the system the criminal justice system in general the legal system in this country is is not set up to punish wrongdoing because if it was for, Brock Turner wouldn't mm-hmm. be wouldn't be chilling. This kid wouldn't be chilling. And for those not familiar with Brock Turner, he's a kid that was in college. And Joe, jump in and correct me if I'm wrong. Found a girl passed out, raped her in the back of a, what was it, like behind a dumpster? And got caught by somebody. Got caught by two people. One of the kids, by what happened, he puked and cried was so disgusted by what Brock did. Then when Brock got put in jail during the trial, the judge said, well, he served enough time. We don't want to make him suffer for this one mistake. And how many days did he serve in jail? I want to say like a month or something. Or maybe it was less. It might have been like seven, 17 days. Uh, I think it was like oh, 17, 17 days. Right. And he got off. And he's running off. He can, he can now get married he can now have kids. He, he doesn't have a blemish on his name. Yet I guarantee you that girl and that boy that puked and cried are scarred for life. And you know what happens? Let, let me even go even further. And I'm going to go further and I don't even care. When Rihanna released pictures of her face being beat the shit out of by Chris Brown, you know what people said? Well, what did she do to drive him to that? What, what did she do to make him that crazy? We always blame the victim, and we never say anything to the people that assault other people. Chris Brown has album after album. He's got women after him and everything. Oh, you can beat me up, Chris. Rihanna was called a slut. She was called crazy. The same thing with Halle Berry. They said when Halle Berry came out and said one of her boyfriends beat her so bad that she lost hearing, 80% hearing in her ear. People said, well, Halle Berry's crazy. She always has a boyfriend beat her or her man cheat on her. She must be crazy. Why do we protect men and, and five women? I don't understand. The, the scales of justice are so not balanced whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. You look at the situation with with Monique, and mm. you know, there's there's all this stuff about a cover up, and uh, you know, at, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like there's there's no question about what, like the fact that he is responsible. One hundred percent. But the fact that there, 
but the fact that there hasn't been an arrest is i mean it's it's sad it's sad that this this mm-hmm. country has um has such a problem with just you know an admission of guilt an admission of wrongdoing or an admission of mistreating certain people that they just mm-hmm. continue to, to fight tooth and nail that these things are not wrong that we have to wait until you know until all the facts are in it's so funny all the facts have to be in a new yes. situation but they don't have to be yes. in every other situation and i don't want to engage yes. in whataboutism i don't want to yes. do it but at the same time like you have to recognize that it it needs to be a, a level playing field and that type of, of whataboutism is not the same as saying i feel like the justice system should be equivalent and fair and unbiased and that when you have one person who receives a different form of justice than another, mm-hmm. that's not what aboutism. That's saying we need to fix this. Yes, you are absolutely right. Because this is very one hundred percent clear. She was driving, minding her home business coming one way. He was going a hundred and twenty miles an hour get into her lane because he's trying to pass somebody else and hits her head on. There's no other facts that need to, it wasn't. And if you say it was an accident, how do you accidentally go 120 miles an hour? How do you accidentally pull into somebody else's lane? There's no accident there. Deliberate. Did he mean to kill somebody? Probably not. But the fact of the matter is if you tell somebody I'm going to drive 120 miles an hour. Their response is, you're going to kill someone. Every person's response is that. You're going to get into an accident if you go that fast. Or you're going to kill someone. So where's the accident part of this? I don't understand. Did he accidentally get into a car and without a license? I'm sorry? Like, how did he get those keys? Where was he going? Was a licensed driver in there with him? Like, there's so many questions, but not the question of, I need more facts. That's not the question. We got the facts. But I need to know how this all transpired. Um, When I was thinking about what is, what about ism, I was thinking about, um, immediately came to mind, well, not what about it. And prob- no, that's not the right term. That's not the right term. Totally off topic. Sorry. I'm totally jumping topics. There was a <laughs> fight in a bath and body Works, And it was on video. And in the very beginning of the video, you have to look real closely. The white woman threw something at the other white woman's face. And so then the, the white worker lunged at her. They get into a fight. Another employee fights the woman. And then the other woman's friend comes in, and it's a big mess. The first thing someone said, how dare that employee put hands on that person? We don't have, we don't know what happened before the video, but how dare they? And I said, I could show you. I found a longer clip. In the longer clip, the employee is telling the person, don't get involved with that. Stop. The woman keeps trying to advance, and the employee's trying to move her. And that's when the person grabs something and throws it at the employee, and then the employee reacts back. So my point is, sometimes you see things and you think, oh, I want to hear the the bigger story. Sometimes the story's right in front of your fucking face, and you just don't want to see shit for how it is. 
Period. End of story. Well, it is with George Floyd. It is with George Floyd. Uh, and, and I actually got into uh, a, a debate on this on Facebook. My God. George Floyd what, like died right in front of our eyes. There's no question. Mm-hmm. That, and and the, the, the coroner's report confirms it. Yep. We're not talking about someone dying. Because, and, and people want to, again, they want to engage in this nonsense about, you know, these, 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 uh, these facts that they can somehow taint to, to make George Floyd look like he's not the victim in this situation. Everybody mm-hmm. saw it with their own eyes. This dude was kneeling yep. on his neck for eight minutes. It is no eight question. Minutes. And it says in the, in, the, in the report, the autopsy, it says that he mm-hmm. died from some dude kneeling on his neck for eight minutes. It didn't say he died. It, are there other contributing factors? Sure. Everyone has them. Everyone has comorbidities that are listed on mm-hmm. their, uh, their autopsy because that's what, it, right. what they're supposed to put on there. But it didn't right. say, well, maybe this other stuff caused it. It said he died because he was getting kneeled on. And someone wants to litigate this conversation and say, well, we need to know how it needs to go to court. It needs to play out. That's cool because if the justice, justice system actually worked, then we wouldn't have any fear that Derek Chauvin was going to get off for kneeling mm-hmm. on someone's neck till they died for eight minutes on camera. Someone that was not resisting. Oh, no. No, 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 Joe. But we need to know what happened before. Why did he put his knee on his neck? Was he res- I thought, you know, I heard that he was resisting in the car. And then video comes out that he wasn't resisting. He was saying, I'm claustrophobic. I can't be in here. You guys, get, get these cuffs off me. These are uncomfortable. Granted, I'm sure every arrested person says the cuffs are uncomfortable. But yeah. he, this was a nonviolent crime that escalated to a death. And it well, didn't and have to. The other thing is then people want to point to mm-hmm. George Floyd's criminal history. Well, mm-hmm. George Floyd's criminal yep. history was He's a guy who, who got caught a bunch of times for dealing drugs or for having drugs on yep. him. And again, you, if you want to talk about how unfair the criminal justice system is in America, this dude gets caught with coke on him and he ends up going to jail. Other people, white people, get caught with coke on him and it's like, we got to throw this away. Yep. You know, there, there's, there's this unfair can't have one mistake that people just want to One ignore. mistake changed their lives. You can't have that, Joe. You can't have one mistake, one but little it, mistake, the first offense. But the the hilarity of that mm-hmm. argument is that this is a guy mm-hmm. who did change his life. And we talked about this with yes, Mark Wahlberg. Yes, did. Like, yep. he, he was in a situation where he did try to change his life. And is he mm-hmm. perfect? No. But you're calling him a violent criminal because, you know, he's, he's, uh, he, was, he was in jail for pointing a gun at a pregnant woman's belly. Deplorable, mm-hmm. terrible action. So yes. that's his time. Disgusting. You either believe mm-hmm. in the redemption and you believe mm-hmm. in the fact that our criminal justice system works to try to rehabilitate people. And that's what you're, you're, you're advocating for, or you're just a piece mm-hmm. of shit who likes to be a hypocrite and then point out the flaws in every person when it's convenient for you to do that. And that's why he moved to Minneapolis to start fresh. And I'll take it. Exactly. Further. The store owner has, he, George has been at that store before many times. He was a regular. Mm-hmm. The store owner came out and yeah. said, George is an awesome guy. We liked him. It's yeah. just he was on – when he went in there, he, he employee was there that didn't know him, panicked and called the police because they never dealt with a counterfeit 20. It came out that people get counterfeit money all the time and don't know it. All the time. Yeah. 
I've never had that experience, thank God, but it's a known fact. If you research it, people get counterfeit money sometimes and don't even know it. And it's dealt with at the store. It's dealt with at this nonviolent level. This particular person wishes they never called the cops, called the cops instead of the, the store owner, the cops showed up and this is what happened. And the whole time George was perfectly calm up until they got him into the police car, he was perfectly calm and fine. And even when Thank they got him in the life. police car, they, they took four guys, four guys on one man. And not only that, there was a knee on his neck and there were three other knees on the rest of his body. Hello. If you don't know, Google. <laughs> but you know what's funny? But, but that's, you're going to find what you're looking for, though. If people are yes. looking for, was George Floyd a bad guy? Yes. Was he a violent criminal? Was, why, yep. why did he deserve to die? If that's what you're Googling, that's what you're going to find. Yep. There's plenty of people out there that will, that will slander and malign this, this person who was just killed mm-hmm. uh, you know, on camera. There's plenty of people that will do it. You can watch it on Fox News. This guy is not a hero. Yep. He's not a martyr. No one said he was a hero or a martyr. All we're saying is he should not have died. He should not. This is not how Mm -hmm. due process works in America. Mm -hmm. This is not how the criminal justice system and how law enforcement should be interacting with someone for passing a fake $20 bill that they may not even have known was fake at the time. Mm -hmm. That's not how it works. You get the benefit of the doubt. You're innocent mm -hmm. until proven guilty, except for in these situations where we want to malign their character. They did it with Trayvon Martin. They do it with every single situation to try to paint a picture that this black person deserved to die. And that's not how the system is supposed to work. That's not how this country is supposed to work. We're supposed to be better than that. And we're not. And for all the people that say criminal, he's this, that, and the third, when Rush Limbaugh died and everyone was like, he's a piece of shit. He's this, that, and the third. These same people said, well, he's dead. You shouldn't talk ill about the dead. Sweetheart. Do you remember what you posted in June 2020? Do you remember speaking ill of the dead? Are you crazy? I I just yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. You do you, boo. You do you. Um. Before we go, what movies have you watched recently, or TV shows that you wanted to discuss? Or recommend. Um, I actually, I actually took the week off from yeah. from really participating and watching anything on TV. I really, uh, wow. I felt like I was losing. Yeah, I was, I was losing touch with, uh, with my, my consistency in terms of reading. And so I got back yeah. into reading a little bit this week. I'm, I'm reading this really good book called The Color of Law. It is amazing, and it, uh, it delves into, um. The, the reasons and the justifications and the uh, the 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 way that it was uh, it was managed in terms of uh, you know building cities and and uh, breaking down cities in terms of racial demographics and how hmm. the um, you know how the how the housing the the housing that was offered to white people as they had an exodus out of out of urban areas directly played into how those uh, how those neighborhoods became lower income. They became largely uh, divided down racial lines, and and still oh, no. persist in how cities are broken down today. It is mind blowing, mind blowing. Wow. wow, who wrote that book? 
Never heard of him. Um, what's his name? Um, Rob uh, Rosencrantz. Hold on, let me let me find it. Um, we can look the, it up. The, the crazy thing is, even things, even things like um, like the the highways, where highways were placed to intentionally divide cities and and wow. you know down these racial lines. It's mm-hmm. crazy. They would literally put these highways in to segregate certain populations and turn areas into blighted areas almost intentionally because, uh, you know, because of, of this opportunity to, uh, you know, to, to get people out of the city. It's, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. Wow. I did not even think of that. Um, it's, a, it's a absolutely amazing book. Well, I uh, Richard Rothstein, of course. Plugged in, of course, to not just, you know, the interview and whatever, my regular shows. Um, I did some nostalgic viewing, but also um, I I watched a new movie. So the nostalgic viewing I started, um, you know, I I did post that I'd seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Friends, The Sopranos, but I started my so-called life this week or last week. And it is, it still holds up. It is so good. Oh my gosh. So Okay. It is it is everything I remember from our high school days mixed in with what I'm imagining people are going through now. It's just so good. So good. Um I still connect with Angela Chase, but I will go on record and this is going to shock you. I never had a crush on Jordan Catalano. I always had a crush on um Brian Krakow. Always had a crush on Brian Krakow. Okay. I have no idea why. I think it might be the curly hair. I'm not really sure. Um, always thought he was hot. And then I looked him up recently. The guy is still hot. Like, uh, anyway. Um, the other movie I saw, Ugh. it's called Cherry with Tom Holland. It's on Apple TV. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm not even a vet, an army vet, and I'm offended by this movie. I've noticed that when there are sometimes there are movies like, you know, 1917, there are movies like Hacksaw Ridge, which show the positive side of being a vet. But then you got these other, it's either that where you see like a positive side during wartime or whatever, or you get this, which basically this movie is about a guy who struggles with addiction and becomes an army person and suffers PTSD. And there are soldiers that, and if they do, they deal with it differently. Not all of them turn to drugs, turn to violence, turn to what it's, it's, it's offensive. And I was offended by this movie. I'll be honest with you. And I don't recommend it. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I don't. It was so, I, I think, and I'm going to say it, I think this was bait for Tom's Oscar reel. This movie was just annoying on so many levels. The love story sucked. His acting was great. I just, I've seen this movie so many times. I want to see something different. Maybe, maybe show me a movie where someone in the armed forces comes out of the armed forces and they struggle, but they don't struggle with the demons they have. They struggle with how society treats them. I want to see that movie. Show me that movie. Or show Born me on the 4th a of movie July. where... But again, it's like, 
oh, he's got no legs. And it's like, can I just, can I just see one movie where someone comes out of it and they are, they're struggling with, like, I want to see that movie um, about oh, the Billy kid. What was that? I think I need to see that movie, The Billy Kid, where, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It just came out like a couple of years ago. With Chris, Chris, Kristen Stewart was in it. I don't know. I need to watch it, though. Um, something more realistic than a soldier comes out of war and he's got PTSD and he, he yells and screams and he has flashbacks. and he, Well, first of all, there are soldiers that, don't go to war and Billy Lynn's they just come out of the service. That's it. That's what it is. I want to see that. I just pray it's not what I think it is, but whatever. Mm. I don't know. I don't recommend it to be honest with you. It is, it's a lot to deal with. And I kept looking at my watch. Is it done yet? Is it done yet? Eh, not a good look. So yeah. Okay. Um, other than those two things, I really didn't watch anything new. Um, I'll be honest. I should start reading. I have a lot of books I, I need to catch up on. Oof. I'll make time. Um, lastly, we want to end with, of course, Eva Mendez moment. Do you have one? It's okay if you don't. I, I definitely do, and you're going to fucking love it. But All right. I've got... I've got two things I wanted to do. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. First and foremost, um, yeah. I have a family member who is in the hospital and um, mm-hmm. uh, had, had, yeah, had a ruptured aneurysm. It was a very, very, um, very, very challenging time, very close family member. Um, but I was able to coordinate with the hospital to get, like, most of our family on Zoom because you can't have visitors right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Everybody was having a real tough time to like trying to figure out how we we're going to do it. And um, so I got the hospital set up. They did a Zoom, um, you know, and, and it, was, it was an amazing experience to get all of us together, especially under mm-hmm. these circumstances. And everyone mm-hmm. was just so thankful that we could get together and share in that moment and, you know, cheer on our family member and, and hope for her speedy recovery. Um, it's mm-hmm. just, it was a, it was a, a very powerful moment right now. And in, in a, mm-hmm. in, in a time I would encourage everyone, if you can't get to, uh, to see your family or, or can't get to see your friends or whatever the case is, connect with them somehow, some way, whatever it takes. Um, mm-hmm. because life, life is fragile. Life is, is too short. Mm-hmm. Um, the second thing is more of a public service announcement. And I would encourage everyone to look at the hashtag more than mean, and um, it really, it spoke to me on a level that I was like, I was like, like shaking after watching this. Um, mm-hmm. It is, it is these uh, two, two female sports reporters uh, sit down with these guys who read mean tweets to them. And these guys don't know what the tweets are. They're just told, okay, you have to read these mean tweets. And the, the, the female sports reporters, they've, they've read them before. Um, so they're aware of what they say. And these guys are sitting in front of these, um, reading these tweets and they are like visibly shook by mm-hmm. the stuff that people will tweet to these, to these women. Um, oh, yeah. it is a very pow- powerful, powerful message. 
I encourage everyone to watch this four minutes. It will uh, hopefully open your eyes to the power of our words and, um, and that you can, you can put a lot of bad shit out into the universe, but wouldn't it just be better to, you know, to put love out there, put, you know, put kindness Mm -hmm. out there and, just not be a not just not not be a piece of garbage to your fellow humans. Yep. And to follow up with with that, I I didn't know about that. I'm gonna check it out. Part of that too is is not just saying mean things, but how you treat people. There was this guy that I talked I was talking to, and I just met him yesterday. No, I met him Friday, and we were when I mean meet, I mean I was talking to him online. He was saying things to me like, do you have any sexy pictures? And I said, no, I don't, I don't take those pictures. Well, can't you just do it for me? And I'm like, no, I don't know you. Well, if you want to get to know me, you should do it. Things like that. Stop pressuring people to do what you want them to do. That is not good. Because if I wasn't a strong, bad bitch, I would probably have done it, and I would have felt like shit, complete shit. So the way we talk yeah. to each other, not just it doesn't have to be mean. It doesn't have to be vicious. Sometimes it's just salacious and, and manipulative. Stop talking to each other like that. Um, I actually have an Eva Mendez moment. Oh, and by the way, Joe, if you have, um, the, if the family member has a GoFundMe, let me know. I will post the hell out of it up. You know I will. Um, because I, I'm, <laughs> I I'm, I'm good like that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so here's my Eva Mendez moment. I am, obviously you, you all know I'm a writer. I, I watched this show, A Million Little Things. And I found out that creator DJ Nash is on Twitter. So I've been following him for a couple years. You know, I will give him constructive criticism on characters. I will say positive things about characters and storylines. Recently, I said to him, DJ, you are one of my favorite producer writers in the industry. And he responded immediately. He's very responsive. Thank you so much. I said, one day we're going to work together. He goes, let's do it. And I'm like, wait, what? Holy shit. And it just made me remember the story of one of the Central Park Five telling Ava... DeVernay, when are you going to produce our story? And then five or six years later, their story was produced. So my point is, I'm putting out this positivity. I'm hoping it helps get it done because I just, I felt so good. With, I felt so noticed. Like, this is somebody that I idolize, and he noticed me, you know. It's like, this is amazing. But, um, yeah, that was my Eva Mendez moment. I, I, it doesn't compare to yours, though. Having the family on Zoom. Congrats. That, congrats. that sounds amazing. But yeah. Um, any shout outs before we go? Anyone you want to shout out? Um, no, no, I'm I'm shouting I'm shouting out you. Thanks again for having me. I, I, I love being a always. I love being a part of this. Always. You're you're one of my people, so yeah. I um I think I wanna shout out Nina Parker from Nightly Pop. Um, she's amazing. She is, 
you know, I used to watch E! News when it was on. I watched it since the 90s. And then when it got canceled, right before it got canceled, she was on it more. And I felt like I liked her a lot. And I'm like, oh, I want to see more of her. But I didn't, I didn't look to the other shows, really, because I knew she was on another show. And I was just like, I want to see more of her, but I'm really pissed that they changed the format with E! News. So I just stopped watching E! News anything E related altogether. And then um, I saw some random clips for Nightly Pop, which is a 30 minute um, talk show just about pop culture. And good Lord, Nina is a whole fucking mood. She, she's not only sassy on air, but she's sassy on Twitter. She's sassy on Instagram. This girl, I think think she's my long-lost sister. She is so amazing. She's beautiful. She's funny. She um, approves of my crush on her co-star or co-host Hunter March, who's, like, totally not somebody that I would ever be attracted to, but for some reason I'm so attracted to him. Um, Yeah, Nina Parker, you, you are amazing. You will be one of my bridesmaids at my... Wedding with Hunter. Um, yeah, I love you, girl. You're 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 the shit. So, can I can I just so, give a, a shout out to the, to the to the recent tweet, the recent tweet that she said two days ago, where y'all maybe the royal family just needed some insulin. <laughs> what does that <laughs> mean? What does that mean? When so you said, uh, I didn't I'll, understand it. All right, so so there was this uh, announcer at a basketball game, a women's basketball game, that. Mm-hmm. used the N-word during the broadcast oh. when they were kneeling during the national anthem, and uh. he used the N-word. And then his excuse was, my sugar was high. <laughs> I have diabetes, and my sugar was high, and that's what makes me a racist douchebag. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. What? He did not say that. What? I'm dead serious. <laughs> you have to look this shit up. This is, I can't make this up. So to clap back like that, nice job, Nina. Thank you. Nina. Nina. Oh, I told you she is sassy. Tying it together. Tying the two together. I love it. I love her. This is why I love her. She is so sassy. Oh, my God. Hitting home runs. Um, I love it. (laughs) Y'all follow Nina, please. She she is amazing. And she she drug Sharon. Drug her. But anyway. That's all we got. Uh, Joe, any final words? Any Anything you want to say for the future, like you did last time, which was amazing? Um, this week, I'm going to leave it at, please go out and, and check out that, 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 that clip. Four minutes, it'll change your life. Yeah. Do the right thing. Be good to each other. Be good to, be good to your fellow humans. We're all in this together. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Do better. Hashtag do better. <laughs> Hashtag do well, better, Well, that's people. all for, I guess. Um, have a good rest of your Sunday, guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.